I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Here's Alexis Sanchez. What a finish. Walcott's going to go through and score. Into the middle. Giroud is two. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of the 25th of April 2016. I'm Russell Hargreaves. On this week's show, Callum Chambers tells us how to stay sharp at the back end of the season. Former Gunners keeper Rami Shaban puts his case for who he thinks is the greatest Gunners keeper of all time. And we remember the Invincibles in our history lesson. But let's kick off with a bumper weekend trivia. It's been a double game week for the Gunners, so we've got our matchday show commentary team of Dan Roebuck and Nick Brumsack back to pick our way through the action. And before we talk about Sunday's visit to the Stadium of Light, let's recap what happened on Thursday evening against West Brom. That's when you win the ball back high and do it well. So you've got to do it as a team, and I think that's where Arsenal need to push Ramsey and, and Elneny right up for those second balls. This is Alexis! Oh, yes! Well, David Hilly has suggested that Alexis could be the man tonight. We heard from Rob Kelly in our pre-match show with all the stats about what he has done over the course of the last few games. And it's been proven very early on in this fixture with a terrific hit that has given Arsenal the lead. So, free kick just outside the penalty area. Mesut Ozil standing over this one. Alexis as well. It's inside the D and it's fairly central just to the right, but only a, a metre or so to the right-hand side. So... Either left foot or right foot. Ozil or Alexis want to take this one. And Monreal offers advice. Not quite sure what he's saying to Mesut Ozil and Alexis Sanchez. Maybe Monreal is the oracle when it comes to free kicks from this sort of range. Literally, a couple of metres outside of the penalty area. Is it too close in? Alexis! No, it's not! Of course it's not too close in! The Chilean has got a second and he manages to beat Ben Foster and Arsenal double their advantage here. So Arsenal taking that one against the Baggies by two goals to nil. Dan and Nick join us now on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Gentlemen, a very good day. How are you? Well, thanks. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad, Russ. So we'll start with Thursday's game. I was there at the Emirates watching that one as well. Um, Nick, to you, a fair degree of positivity in terms of the result and, and to a large degree the performance wasn't too bad either, was it? Yeah, it was a nice way to recover, wasn't it, from dropping those points against Crystal Palace. Uh, the Sunday before, Arsenal's 500th Premier League win as well. And I thought, particularly in the first half, they blew a very poor West Brom side away. It must be said, though, 
for a Tony Pulis side to turn up at Emirates Stadium like that. I was pretty surprised, and must be said, and Alexis was kind of at the heart of most of Arsenal's good work. Uh, two goals from outside the area in the first half. Actually, interestingly, I found this... Um, those two goals from outside the area were as many as Arsenal have scored in their previous 33 league games this season, um, which isn't really good enough. But, um, yeah, looking at the West Brom game, I thought the second half... Um, they maybe tried to do a little bit too much. I think there were a few more goals there, but all in all, it was a convincing display and a, a good evening's work. And Dan, I suppose a bit of credit has to go to West Brom from half-time. They switched things around big time, didn't they? It made them a bit more competitive and a bit tougher to break down, but the horse uh, had bolted through that stable door long, long before. Yeah, and it was interesting to see West Brom in certain aspects of that game because uh, I think they self-deployed to a certain extent. They went off menu. Tony Pulis we know, always sets his sights up certain ways when they take on Arsenal over the years. And I think that the West Brom players just start to play a little bit differently. He wasn't happy if you were looking at Tony Pulis on the sidelines. He was berating pretty much every single player on the pitch, but they got themselves a little bit more together. But just going back to what Nick was saying about Alexis, two goals from him, I thought he was outstanding. And, you know, we've missed him really. Obviously, he was injured at Norwich in late November. We didn't see him again until late January. And even then, he wasn't firing on all cylinders. Yep, but yep. you get you got the sense that he scored in four consecutive games. He scored five goals in, in four matches. He netted against uh, Watford, West Ham and, and Palace before his brace against West Brom. And you just think, you know, he was back to his best. And you just wonder if he'd have stayed fit over the course of the season. There's always these ifs and buts at this time of the year, unfortunately, from an Arsenal point of view. Uh, but, yeah, I, I thought it was a good display. I thought Aaron Ramsey was terrific in midfield as well, having looked a little bit leggy in his two previous displays in Arsenal clubs, again, after coming back from injury. So an all-round good performance that I thought was going to set up for another win at the weekend. So, Dan, highlighting Ramsey there, just one more question to you, Nick. Back on Thursday, we saw Aaron Ramsey alongside Per Mertesacker and Olivier Giroud all come back into the starting eleven as the three Arsenal changes. Was Ramsey the one that stood out of those three for you? I thought Mertesacker was, was pretty solid as well. Yeah, I think Arsenal's defence looks generally probably a little bit more solid with, with Per Mertesacker in there. It's just his experience and his partnership with Laurent Koscielny, and you can see that now. He's come in and the two games in which he's been in the side, Arsenal haven't conceded. Um, I think because they know each other's game so well, Koscielny knows he has to sweep up behind pair. He hasn't got pace, of course, we, we all know that, but when you've got someone as quick as Koscielny behind him, that's not too much of an issue. And just on Ramsey, I was encouraged by his performance as well, actually. Playing alongside Mohamed Elneny, he was a little bit more deep than he's probably comfortable playing. Um, but I thought some of his defensive work, some of those recovery tackles there, particularly two that stand out against Stefan Sessegnon, were really impressive. Well, let's move on then from that victory on Thursday night, guys, to Sunday. You were both up there, of course, commentating on the nil-nil draw at the Stadium of Light against Sunderland. Dan, you go somewhere like that against a team who perennially, we have to be honest, are fighting for their lives, scrapping for their very Premier League livelihood, no different this time around. What did you make of, of the intensity and obviously the motivation? Because both teams had a fair bit to fight for and, and still do. Yeah, they do. I, I mean, I, I don't always stand in, in the quarter of, you know, they've got something to fight for, so they're better. They're in the relegation zone for a reason. Teams don't suddenly become, you know, title winners, unless you're Leicester, of course, uh, by <laughs> playing better at the end of the season. And um, I still think Arsenal had all the tools to win that game. Some of them were battling. They found a little bit more. Their winter signings, their January signings, have done very well. And Sam Allardyce has been in the situation before. 
and he's obviously done much better than Dick Advocat would have done if he had stayed at the club. He fell on his sword early in the season, of course, and it was probably the right thing to do. I think it was just beyond him to try and keep them in the Premier League again. So and they've got when a fighting going was chance good down, of doing that. Sorry to when he kept them up the last time and said he wasn't staying, I think he probably should have stuck with that. I think so. I think he should have just gone. I mean, he, he just looked bewildered at the start of the season. I mean, they just couldn't win games, could they? And he, I think he just knew he just couldn't do it again. It's just one of those situations. But Arsenal still should have won the game for me. I mean, Iwobi had chances. There was plenty of opportunities. There was plenty of open play. Myself and Nick were suggesting in commentary that we couldn't quite believe it was nil-nil at half-time. I was adamant it wasn't going to be nil-nil at full-time. And amazingly, it was. We had chances to win that game. We should have won. And obviously, to be fair, Nick Sunderland had some decent chances as well, didn't they? There was a penalty shout at either end, possibly right that neither was given, or at least to cancel each other out either way. But Peter Cech made some very, very decent saves. Yeah, he did, especially from Jermaine Defoe, who, well, I don't think he, he had his best game yesterday, Defoe. He was still very dangerous. He kept peeling onto Per Mertesacker. The likes of Kershoff and, and Lee Katzmer were trying to get him clear over the top. Um, and he was a real threat. And when Czech was beaten, thankfully, the, the crossbar was there to save um, <laughs> Patrick Van Arnholt's free kick. And obviously, we now know officially, and I think we've known it pretty much for a while now, but the Premier League title challenge is now mathematically over. So we now focus, don't we, from Arsenal's point of view, just making sure they're in that top four. Yeah, and that's what was so disappointing about yesterday, because a victory would have put Arsenal seven points ahead of Man United, albeit with Louis van Gaal's men still having a game in hand. And... That, for me, was you know, the, the real disappointing facet of, of that game. And looking back on it, as Dan mentioned, in the first half, there were so many chances for Arsenal to go in and take the lead when Sunderland looked quite poor in the first 10, 15 minutes. And unfortunately, they just didn't take them. And the host came into it second half. And I actually thought, in the end, a point and a piece was probably the fair result. Dan, I know it's a difficult thing to ask because we've still got several games to go and, and several teams in the equation, but do you see Arsenal picking themselves up and, and getting out of this? This run of draws is the big problem, isn't it? It's a joint league high with Sunderland, funnily enough, of seven Premier League draws in this calendar 2016 year. It's three draws in four now as well. Do you think that they will get the points and the wins that they need to, to get this top four? Obviously, Manchester United getting through to the FA Cup final, I think, is a, is a bonus from an Arsenal point of view. And if Manchester City get through to the Champions League final as well, I think that'll be a bonus as far as Arsenal is concerned. Because City, we play, of course, off the back of um, their Champions League second leg, uh, the Bernabeu against Real Madrid. So th there could be disappointment flooding through Etihad. There could be joy and, and a view to a Champions League final. Manchester United might have one eye on an FA Cup as well, so they take on uh, Leicester, I think, next. So there's, uh, there's permutations where you think that the teams around us might not get all the points that they can possibly get. And I think we have got a great chance to, getting, uh, to get nine points. I, I can't see anything other than wins in our two home fixtures. The big game might be City, but I, I can't see Arsenal fans to get top four. And there could be circumstances where we get top three. A couple of other players I wanted to raise with you guys. First of all, to see Jack Wilshire back off the bench and playing the final few minutes. 330 days since his last club appearance. Great to see him back. What do you make? And, and obviously, we, we can't expect too much too soon either, can we, Nick? I was very surprised, actually, to see him come on at Sunderland, particularly uh, with the game as finely poised as it was. And it was interesting, actually. Arsene Wenger was asked pre-match about including Wilshire in the squad and he said, yeah, it's more for his confidence than anything else, more to get him back in the feel of being around the first-team squad. Um, I actually thought he, he did quite well when he came on. Uh, the boss also said after 
the West Brom game that he, th he thought Jack had got his burst back and that was apparent for me there was one, one of those uh, classic Wilshire uh, no-look turns where he just spun away from, from Lee Catamore and it'll be very interesting to see what the manager does now in these last three games of the season with Wilshire back with Ramsey back of course Coquelin and El Nenny as well. Uh, I would just wonder who's going to play in those midfield spots. I completely agree. And Dan, on that regard, your thoughts very, very welcome. And, and also, there was certainly a, a feeling we might even see Santi Cathola back to, to also be in the mix for that position between now and the end of the season. It'd be fascinating to see. Um, just on Jack Wilshire, I thought that he made some neat touches when he, when he came on. Uh, myself and Nick were pontificating about whether he was fit enough to, to take part in that game. But Nick pointed out to me that, you know, he played the full 19, two of those under-21 games, and he played an hour in his first against Newcastle. So he was very uh, very sharp, I thought, or, or as sharp as we could expect. And I think he can play a part. Might come a little bit too soon for Santi Cazorla. You never know. Um, but it'd be great to see Jack have an influence. And from an England point of view, I think Roy Hodgson has, has certainly left the door open. Uh, for Jack Walsh and more than left the door open he's almost got Jack halfway through because he's desperate to get him in the squad and England have got some friendlies before the Euros as well so even if he doesn't start say the last game against Aston Villa of the season I think from an England point of view as long as there's no setback for Jack he'll, he'll probably be included in the squad for the Euros And just to conclude I wanted to talk a bit about the striking situation as well and Nick where do you stand with just the goals from up front for Arsenal to, to get what they need over the next few weeks? It's so frustrating when you look back, firstly, at the last month or so and you just see that these draws that should have been wins, really, uh, this is where you need your strikers firing on all cylinders and, unfortunately for Arsenal, that hasn't been the case. I was surprised to see Giroud start um, against Sunderland and I thought he looked a little bit off the pace. Um, but having said that, Arsene Wenger said after the game that um, he's a bit short on confidence but that he's going to get that back and I think sometimes it just takes one to go in, maybe to go in off your backside or something like that and, and that can get you back in the groove. But... I think Arsenal at the moment just look a bit better with Danny Welbeck up front. They look more incisive. He's got pace. He can run in behind. He can run the channels as well. But he's quite big. He's quite physical. And he can compete with centre-halves too. And I think he, he dovetails quite well with, with that triumvirate behind him. The Awobi, Alexis, Ozil. And I think Awobi uh, particularly has been fantastic. He might not have got the goals and assists in, in recent weeks. But, you know, for a 19-year-old, this bloke's going to become some player. Absolutely. And just to conclude, Dan, your, your thoughts thereof as well up front? Well, Giroud, I think, has been a little bit unlucky. We can rattle off all those numbers about him not scoring, but he's not been starting games. And sometimes it can be a little bit misleading. And he battled hard uh, yesterday. Interestingly, on the train back to King's Cross, I was speaking with plenty of Arsenal supporters, and the opinion was divided about Giroud because I think there's, a, there's an awful lot of Arsenal fans who realise what he does for the side. He's a, a selfless striker. He will battle away against the likes of Kony and Kabul yesterday, put his body on the line, he'll try and set up chances for others and it might go a little unnoticed. There is a certain amount of dynamism when Danny Welbeck plays, definitely, but I don't think we can underestimate the contribution that Giroud has made to Arsenal over the last few years and he started this season so well he is going through a rough patch. Uh, the minute, uh, Awobi is obviously a factor, he's got a couple of goals this season, Alexis has found his mojo in front of goal as well. So I, I think there are reasons to be positive, but inevitably people will look towards maybe a striker coming in in the summer. We always do. We always like to see those big names. I don't think there's too much wrong uh, at the moment. And on another day, we could have won the game against Sunderland comfortably. Likewise, Crystal Palace as well. It's just unfortunately not falling for us at the minute um, in the opposition penalty area. 
He is Dan Roebuck and Nick Bromsack alongside us as well. The Match Day Show commentary team, guys, as ever. Thank you very much indeed for your time here on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Russ. Callum Chambers is coming to the end of his second season with the club. The former Southampton right-back sat down with Arsenal media's Harry Hawke to talk about the run into the end of the season and his plans for the summer. What's it like at this point in the season for a player? You know, you've got the finish line in sight, but you've still got to keep focus. Um, I think the main like, thing is to just concentrate on game by game. Focus on each game as it comes. Don't look ahead. I think here no one's sort of focused on anything else but the next game. And I think you know, it's really important. Everyone's on it in training, everyone's everyone's still sharp, so I think that's the way to do it to be honest. And after like a long season, how do you manage with all the aches and pains and the other things that kind of come with that? Uh you've got to look after yourself throughout the season. Um obviously I'm still young, I'm still sort of new to that to the whole thing, but you've got to, you know, the one thing I've learned is throughout the season, you know, I started yoga this season, you've just got to look after yourself so that you're fresh for as long as possible throughout the season. So what's your, your off-season programme like for maintaining fitness? Uh, you know, do you have any ideas about taking like, football out of the agenda or do you kind of keep that in mind? Um, I, think it's, I think it's good to sort of have a little break. Um, you know, obviously, uh, see your family, see your friends. Uh, but the, at, the, at the same time, obviously, you've got to look after yourself, uh, eat well, uh, try and you know, keep in good shape um, and then come back ready, ready for next season. What sort of exercises might you get up to when you're not around? I'll do some other sports. I'll play golf, might do a bit of tennis, go for a run every now and again. Just keep yourself ticking over, I think, is the main thing. Um, so, yeah. And, uh, and what are your plans for the, uh, the off-season? Um, I think, well, obviously go on a holiday with my family, um, which would be nice. And then, yeah, just obviously go somewhere, get a bit of sun, get, get a tan, and then come back ready for next season. You going to be following the Euros, or do you want to try and remove yourself from football? No, no, I'll be following. I'll be following the Euros. I'm looking forward to watching those games, so it'll be good. And uh, just to finish up, what what are you most looking forward to this summer? To, I think probably watching the Euros um, with my friends, uh, get together, um, and all watch it together. It'll be exciting. So looking forward to that. Callum will be looking to cement a spot in the first team next season and his versatility could be crucial if he wants to be a regular name in the starting 11. It's half-time on this week's pod, so it's time for a history lesson. And it's Adams, put through by Bold! Would you believe it? Or Charlie George, who can hit him? Oh, look, It's up for grabs now! Thomas! 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. 25th of April 2004, as we know from the song, Arsenal won the league at White Hart Lane with a 2-2 draw against North London rivals Tottenham, thanks in part to a blistering start to the game. And Ori ran away from Tottenham famously at... Uh... Hybrid to score from a starting position similar to that one, but on this occasion he's looked for Bergkamp, who looks for Vieira! Well, we felt they wouldn't settle for the draw. Yet again, Arsenal, in a matter of seconds, have turned defending into classic counter-attack. Absolutely stunning. Tottenham just took over it. Roberto is the conductor centre stage. Bergkamp, Vieira, the Perez, oh, what, two. what a goal! What you're seeing here is what we've seen all season: the sheer class of Arsenal. Although Tottenham would fight back to level the game, the point was enough to crown the Gunners Premier League champions once again. Here's Ray Parler, Thierry Henry and Martin Keown remembering that day. This will always go down in history, winning the league at White Hart Lane, 2-0-4, simple as that. You can never get sick of hearing that and I wish I could have sat there and celebrated until now. Whenever I see that particular moment and that thing, it's just, uh, you know, it goes without saying that was an amazing day. I can still see in my mind's eye celebrations in the, in the dressing room, the champagne hitting the ceiling. We've left our mark in that dressing room forever. Um, they, it, you know, Gilberto, so people change when they've won something. You suddenly see different uh, personalities. Um, it was, yeah, they're great days and they never leave you. Although the Premier League crown had been clinched with four games still to play, still the job wasn't complete for Arsene Wenger's men, as the boss had history on his mind. It was massively difficult, because when I said to them, now you have won the championship, now I want you to become immortal. They looked at me like I, I, uh, I was absolutely mad. What is he talking about, this guy? Immortal for what? I tried to explain to them that they don't realize what they are doing at the moment, but one day they will uh, realize. And uh, so they said, we are not convinced about what you're talking about, but we will do it. 
After unconvincing draws against Birmingham and Portsmouth and a narrow 1-0 win at Fulham, the scene was set for history to be made against Leicester City at Highbury on the final game of the season. After going a goal down courtesy of Arsenal old boy Paul Dickoff, they had 45 minutes to become invincible. And an opportunity for Thierry Henry to bring Arsenal level and become the first Arsenal player to score 30 league goals since Ronnie Rook 56 years ago. It's history. It's the equaliser. The record is still in sight for the Gunners. And now Vieira for Arsenal. Magic ball from Bergkamp to Patrick Vieira! The captain, fittingly, gets the goal that might make history. Make a note of the date. May the 15th, 2004. History has been made. One of the greatest achievements since English football began. Arsenal have gone through an entire league campaign without losing. The first time it's happened for over 100 years. Played 38, won 26, drawn 12, lost exactly none. We'll have another history lesson next week, but next we'll speak to a man who started the season in that invincible squad, former keeper Rami Shabat. Injuries limited Rami Shaban to just five appearances between the sticks for Arsenal, but he has fond memories of playing alongside both Jens Lehmann and David Seaman. Rami's been speaking to Nick Brumsack about his time at the club. Rami, thank you so much for your time. You were here at the same time as, as the likes of, of David Seaman and Jens Lehmann as well. Um, yeah. I was just wondering, kind of, you know, if one of those two is, is your favourite ever Arsenal goalkeeper, or, or if there's another one, if it's already Petr Cech. I know he's not been here for long. I'm uh, like I said. I was so privileged. I was at the club for two years, and I was training with David Seaman and Jens Lehmann, and had Bob Wilson as goalkeeping coach. You can't forget that. <laughs> Absolutely, so, I mean, it's a holy trinity, there, isn't it? Almost. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So, but I have to rate uh, David uh, as the best. Uh, looking for for how long he have been at the club. Uh, and of course, uh, a lovely lad that I get to know and learn, and amazing on the pitch and off the pitch. So my vote go for David Seaman. And and how exactly did he help you during your time at Arsenal? Uh, he was so much as a mentor. Uh, I mean, he, he he was always calm, always had a laugh. Um, didn't. Uh, everything around him it was so easy to when you got the chance to play the big games like I was fortunate to do like Tottenham at home and uh, he gave you so much uh, it's very easy to because prior in my career I was a bit tense nervous but around him uh, you couldn't get nervous because I saw him 
because I came to the club in August and I think I made my debut in October or something. So I was with him a lot of games before my debut and I saw how he prepared for the games. Uh, it could be such a massive big game and he was it didn't affect him uh, personally. Uh, he was uh, so calm. Do you think he helped you with your career as well, you know, having left Arsenal, I guess the experience of, of having trained with him day in, day out for a couple of years? Definitely. Uh, I took that with me. Uh, and we have, we have uh, contact. Now we haven't spoke for a while, but he called me, it wasn't that long ago. And uh, he's so genuine. I mean, it's, it's a guy you can depend on. And uh, of course it helped me. Uh, during my career uh, with the national team and everything mm. uh, that calmness def especially the calmness in my game at the big games uh, is something I took with me from him how to prepare for a game and, and when you look but at I saw both sides I mean I, uh, Jens Lehmann was the total opposite yeah of course he was an amazing goalkeeper but uh, it's it was not a guy that, during the match days, you could hardly talk to him. Mm. But, I mean, he, going a year unbeaten and the consistency Jens had was top class as well. But, I mean, there is different kind of uh, personalities. And uh, I think I took a bit from Jens' side and I took a bit of David Seaman's side, so I can't complain. It's like... A perfect mixture, almost. Uh, yeah, it is. I think it's an amazing mix. Rami Shaban there speaking to Nick Brumsack. Coming up, we'll preview the game against Norwich next up with Adrian Clark. You can see Adrian Clark on the breakdown every Monday on Arsenal.com and he joins me now to look ahead to the Gunners Clash against Norwich City this coming Saturday evening. Clarky, how's it going, my friend? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, you're feeling a little bit down now that the title has officially kind of gone for Arsenal. So, uh, yeah, a little bit flat, but I'll try and pick myself up. Good, good. Well, you've got plenty <laughs> going on, the little one. Plenty to motivate you, my friend, believe you me. Um, let's look then at this game in detail against Norwich City. Obviously, Arsenal have just played Sunderland. Mm -hmm. Yeah, been talking about that on the Arsenal Weekly podcast. But Norwich, another team right down in that glut of three sides, effectively fighting for two spots, for one spot, really, to stay up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, this is a game that Arsenal should win on paper, on home turf. Norwich City are struggling, aren't they? They've had a difficult season. They've had their moments, I've got to say, against Arsenal, actually, earlier on in the campaign. They played pretty well at Carrow Road, got in amongst us caused one or two problems and it was it was a tricky game actually but away from home they haven't been great you've got to say Norwich City I think they've failed to score in five of their last six on the roads which isn't the sort of form you want to be taken into a game like this so if you look at it in the cold light of day Arsenal if they're on their game should win it. Mm. They're a team to me who either gets kind of a dramatic high scoring point or possibly a win or if they're not at it they're very very susceptible and yeah. in that regard obviously when they played Sunderland themselves a week or so ago got thumped didn't they? They did all. yeah that was really poor actually they were well outplayed by Sunderland on the day which surprised me in, in a way because they've got a bit of character about them Norwich City I think Sunderland are the side with the best organisation Newcastle 
have got organisation now that they're under Rafa, but they've also got match winners. Norwich have probably got the weakest of teams, of squads, but Alex Neal is quite a good motivator and I think he gets a tune out of them. It doesn't happen every week. Sometimes they're just not good enough, but they do have fight in them. So if Arsenal are below par, like they were, let's be honest, at Sunderland at the weekend, then this is a potentially tricky game. And from Norwich's point of view, Adrian, obviously they've got this game that we're discussing, but then they play Aston Villa next. And they're in a situation where one more win and possibly then another draw after that would probably be enough to, mm. to get them over the line. So did they look at the Villa game and go all guns blazing for that and then not play some of their real A-listers for this one? Oh, that's an interesting thought. I hadn't contemplated that. I don't think you can... Have... You've got every angle computed. Well, I, yeah, but I just don't think that if you're in a relegation battle, you can rest players? It just doesn't seem right to me. Some people might look at it that way. I don't know if Alex Neil will. It would be quite a bold thing to do to put all your eggs in that basket. Let's be honest, though, they've had a week off. They didn't play at the weekend, so that's the issue. I think they've had plenty of time to rest up for this game. So, yeah, no, I, I, thinking about it, they will go full strength for this and the Villa game. The worry, actually, is that they've had a long time to prepare for this tactically. Two whole weeks to get a game plan together, to get it drilled down on the training ground, to work out Arsenal's strengths and weaknesses. Sometimes you only get two or three days in between games. Norwich have had a long time and, and I think they'll come here with a really good game plan. Will it be good enough? We'll have to wait and see. And Clark, in, in that regard, actually, from the Arsenal point of view as well, they've gone Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, at least this time. It's not quite as long as Norwich's preparation times, I grant you, but they've got longer too, which can't hurt. It can't hurt, no. But I think on the back of that laboured performance at the stadium, like they'll be itching to get back out there, really. It's one of those. When you know that you, you haven't quite been at it, you can't wait, or you, sh you certainly shouldn't be able to wait for the next outing. And hopefully we'll see a really hungry Arsenal performance in this one. It's starting to get a little bit nervy, isn't it, in terms of Manchester United, West Ham United, Man City are flying at the moment. No, that top four spot is no longer guaranteed, so it's really important that Arsenal focus hard on this one and come out of the blocks firing. If they have a fast start like they did against West Brom, get their noses in front, they can enjoy themselves again. If they're slow, if the tempo isn't right, it could be another long game for them. So let's just look then uh, a bit more specifically at the potential lineups for the game this coming weekend then, Clarkey. We'll go with, with Norwich first of all and, and their likely players and some strengths and weaknesses there that you see. Well, I think their strengths are potentially in the wide areas. I like Brady and I like, yeah, I like uh, Nathan Redmond as well. He's a potential match winner. They don't always both play together. Wes Houlihan is another one. Doesn't often feature away from home, though. They go a bit more defensive, Norwich City. He tends to drop out and they bring in uh, a more central midfielder type to the side. So, yeah, Brady and Redmond are the two guys that you perhaps need to be wary of. Mbakani is capable. It doesn't always happen for him. He's got the raw tools, I think, to, to hurt teams. But he's still a bit of a rookie and, and is quite raw. So I would look at the two wide men as their, as their best players. Gary O'Neill, actually, give him credit, the veteran in central midfield. He's having a good couple of months. Bit, so oh, dear, I yeah. <laughs> he's having a good couple of months. He's, look, there's, no, there's nothing amazing about him. He's not necessarily going to hurt you that much, but he's become a very important player for them with his work rate and energy in there. So, so he's, he's a player that will be important to Norwich. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. One of their concerns for me has been that neither keeper 
goalkeeper has really nailed down their position. And it's a strange one because you've got somebody who was effectively an England cusp goalkeeper, yeah, yeah. then another who's been a very highly rated keeper, and, and they're kind of flip-flopped and neither's grabbed that position or therefore really given a lot of confidence to the defence, I feel. Definitely, yeah. John Ruddy has had his confidence, not quite badly, I think. He lost his place to Declan Rudd, who came in, did OK for a few games, had, had a wobble or two and then was straight back out. He was pretty ruthless, Alex Neal. I think the goalkeeping area is a weak point for Norwich City, but you know what? In front of them is a championship defence. That is not a Premier League quality back four. It really isn't. He's tried various permutations throughout the campaign. Basong is a player that I always think has got a mistake in him. He can be heroic. He has the odd game where he's absolutely magnificent. But There's a few defenders like that around yeah, the but, league, though, aren't Yeah, they? But, but I don't think he's a guy you can rely upon. Bennett is someone that, that's hit or miss. Closer has got better, but I still think there's a ricket in him. And, and the full-backs haven't looked comfortable either. Wisdom is, is in the hot seat at the moment. Russell Martin, the captain, he's had quite a poor season by his standards. So, look, if Arsenal can break through the midfield line and get at this Norwich City defence, I only see one winner, providing, of course, Arsenal bring their shooting boots, which they forgot at the Stadium of Light. They did. Hopefully they'll put them on the, uh, on the coach and come across with them this time. Uh, right, so, key battle area, Adrian, for this one? Yeah, I think uh, you've got to look at Arsenal's centre-forward against the Norwich centre-halves. Now, who will it be? Olivier Giroud or, or Danny Welbeck? Personally, I think in, in current form, I'll have to go with Danny Welbeck for this one. It's just not quite clicking for Olivier at the moment. He's a little bit short on confidence. So I believe Welbeck will start and he needs a good game to, to revive his own self-belief and get back amongst the goals. So Welbeck up against Bassong. For me, there should only be one winner there. We'll have to wait and see what happens. And as we let you go, Adrian, in a sentence, how do you beat Norwich? You beat Norwich by taking your chance. It's as simple as that. Arsenal will get 20-plus opportunities in this game. They've got to take two or three of them. Completely agree. You can join Dan Roebuck and the Matchday Show team from 5pm UK time on Saturday for all the pre-match build-up and then uninterrupted audio commentary at 5.30. That's on arsenal.com and on the Arsenal mobile app. That's full time on this week's show. Thanks to Callum Chambers, Rami Shaban, Dan Roebuck, Nick Brumsack and to Adrian Clark for their contributions today. And remember, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and you'll never miss another new show. We're back on Monday the 2nd of May and until then, it's bye for now and come on, you got us. Thanks for listening and remember you can subscribe to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast on iTunes or listen to a new show every Monday on arsenal.com and SoundCloud. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.